Welcome to our podcast, Neighbors Don't Knock. Join us as these neighbors drop by unannounced for conversations that are fun, relevant, and just downright neighborly. 2020 is burning. They're bringing marshmallows, a desire to talk about it, and their mission to laugh now and again, no matter what. Now, here's your hosts, Brian Chambers and Philip Goffrey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Neighbors Don't Knock, the show where neighbors drop by unannounced and get real, just straight up. Phil, how you doing, man? Well, I'm okay. I'm as real as I can be. <laughs> well, you look like you got a little bit of sun. Yeah, I that and my blood pressure is just up. Oh, is that, one is, of the that two. is that what it is? It's one of the two, buddy. I told you not to run in this heat, man. I told you not to run. You know, I'm bad at taking advice from doctors, friends, and wives. Uh, well, whose wife? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Probably both of ours. <laughs> Probably both of ours is my guess. I tell you, my wife is very quick to tell me, and not so much in a way that, um, well, I have to be careful. I'm treading water lightly here, but, but she she's very, she has a lot of good constructive criticism, but it's kind of like she puts that that thing out there. She just floats it. Like, like I was walking out the house the other day and she goes, oh, so you're wearing that? And that was it. That's where she left it. And she she knows she knows that I I'm gonna think about it, right? And I'm like, no, I shouldn't wear this, right? <laughs> and she knows better. I'm telling you, my wife is much smarter than me. I'm a little bit envious. My wife grew up in Soviet Russia, so when I walk out the door wearing something she doesn't like, it's very blunt. <laughs> it's very. Oh, you're wearing that? Go inside and change. <laughs> That's actually easier for me to take sometimes. You know, I, I would rather that approach you're, you're, at times. You like the directness, huh? I do. Uh, but we got a great show for you guys today. Um, I, I want to get right to it. We're completely stoked and excited to bring on a special guest to our show today. He grew up here in Houston, but he currently resides in Austin, Texas. He's a Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter and frontman for the Bluegrass Quartet Wood & Wire. He's an incredible guitarist, actor, poet, and just a true artist. We want to welcome Tony Camel to the show. Tony, Cheers, what's going guys. on, man? Cheers. Cheers, yeah, man. Thanks welcome. for coming on. And I, I was really impressed and, and very excited that you saw us having a drink and said, I need to get a drink. <laughs> that made me so happy. Well, I realized we had this, um, my wife had somehow acquired this bottle of local mezcal and and it kind of hit me as I saw you guys drinking that it was just sitting downstairs. So, oh, fortunately man. for me, she was willing to bring me up a mezcal on the rocks. Well, it's kind of her, and I appreciate that you're willing to free the bottle from its loneliness to be with us. That's, uh, <laughs> is that that's what we, wonderful. Is that we call, can that be the new song that, that we write? You really the, bo had to the bottle's my feeling lonely. The bottle, the, the bottle of loneliness. I like that. I like that. <laughs> well. Tony, we're we're excited to have you. I'm excited to see you, man. I mean, I know we're we're connecting uh, here through the magic of of a computer, but you know, you and I go back longer than I actually care to do the math. <laughs> right. It, it's actually kind of crazy. I thought about it. I met you in 1998. Right. I think that's what. Wait, was that was it? 98, 99 was our freshman year. That was it. Yes, we we met in okay, high school. Yeah, 98, 99. And that is over no, 20 No, it, it was nine. Yeah, it was because it was nine, 98 was our freshman year because we graduated 01. We did, but our freshman year was 97, 98. Oh, okay. So 97. So even seven. So, so yeah. let's add another year to that. There we go. It's okay. I'll, exactly. forgive you, I'll forgive you the math problems with that one. I, I know. Y'all are making me feel old. So I'm just going to step out of the. Uh, <laughs> well. 
I mean, better you than me, brother. It's uh. it's just kind of crazy that we go back that far. I mean, granted, we didn't really know each other very well. You know, when you first get into high school, you're always learning. You know, people. It's like a new step. You know, so. Dude, I went to a high school that had 55 students in my class. Everybody knew everything about me in two days. Wow, <laughs> it was terrible. Not because you talk too much. Well, <laughs> there may be that. I was gonna say, I, I bet you were like making friends i mean you made friends easier than probably most people no i bet see I, I picture you two as the outgoing like artistic friendly i was um i was actually pretty shy overall but i came in with a bunch of people that i had gone to middle school with and i knew i knew them pretty well but well yeah i was really, saying you, was you weren't shy. you weren't really like out you weren't like super outgoing no you not know? at all I wasn't really at first either, just because I like I didn't go to school. I went to public school prior, and we went to a private school. But I was pretty brand new. I was like the new kid on the block. So for me, I was meeting almost everyone new. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was willing to talk with people, but when I was first in high school, I was very kind of quiet. I, I was a good kid. I was I was a, I was a good student. Well, oh, wait, I I wasn't a good student. But I, I, I was be I behaved well at least for at least for freshman year. I was a horrible student. I have I still have um I still have my well I think my mom has it now but of my framed freshman year my first semester maybe it was just the first quarter report card and I had I did I literally would do nothing at home I would do zero homework I wouldn't pay attention I was ineligible for football I didn't I didn't care at all I got four Fs. A D in health. A D in You know, now that D. you're saying that, I want to say yeah. that's where we probably connected the most was summer school. I went to summer school after my sophomore year. I, I, like, oh, I, that's right. Okay. I yeah, was there my, I was there every year. So <laughs> Yeah. My my I, I turned it around freshman year, but then sophomore year, I that last semester I just didn't quite get there on two subjects. I don't even remember which ones. Actually I do. Spanish, which actually liked it shouldn't have failed Spanish. And I think it was, um, I don't know. Do you remember what summer? I, my high school memory is pretty I, spotty. I, well, I vividly remember doing nonstop schooling when I was 15 <laughs> all the way through, through yeah. 22 years old. I, I usually was there for every other year for math, usually English, which surprises me because I actually loved English. I just yeah. kind of like you, I, I, I didn't do anything when I went home. I was just. Oh, it was. It was, it was definitely horrible. not a matter of mine or your capabilities. It was. It was complete and utter laziness and <laughs> just agree. not. I just was not motivated at all. You I know? feel like I, I'm in such good company. This is great because yeah. I had the exact same experience about my entire scholastic career. You know, but a D in health, dude. Who did you yeah, make that, mad? That, that's if that's just how bad it was, dude. That's how bad it was. I would literally go home and and play my guitar until I went to bed. I wouldn't touch my books. I play an un an unplugged electric guitar so my parents wouldn't hear me. I don't know. I feel like I feel like to get a D in health, you must have pissed off like some lady named Mrs. Patty Smith or something. She's I, like, I, actually, that, that I, Tony, he's such a bright boy, but I think he it just was makes Coach me Webster. so mad. Yeah, I think it was Coach Webster a, was our health teacher. Oh, your teacher. coach was I your think, health teacher? Oh, yeah, I think it was a, one yeah. of the coaches was the health teacher. Uh, so it's because it's, it's, it's you weren't playing on the football team. He's all pissed off, right? He's like, no, I was playing on the football team, and I wasn't bad. I wasn't a bad football player. That's how bad of a student I was. They couldn't even, like... <laughs> 
fake it for me to to make me allowed to play. That's how bad I, I was. We can't it. fudge the numbers. There's nothing we can do with this kid. I love it. Yeah, I hope my parents are listening, right? See, successful people, you know, we all didn't have to go that route. It's okay. I like I like the the not bad. <laughs> you know, not, not bad, bad. people. But I don't regret it. I mean, I, I well, it certainly put me through some stresses that I probably could have avoided, but literally, and this is no joke, I would go home and play the guitar until I went to bed. That's and, fantastic. You know, in a sense, I was just getting a jump start on what I do now, I guess, you know. But I will say this, where the, the teachers and people that I had um, in school actually did a great job of pushing me because had I been with other teachers that I don't think cared as much, I don't think... I don't think I would have gotten where I was. I, I think well, I would have. That's fair. I mean, look at both of you guys, right? You're both doing what you love every mm -hmm. day, and that's um, that's what that's that's more than 99% of of people in the Western world can say for sure. So that's that's fantastic. You know, taking that that leap is really it's very surreal when you do it. Um, it is scary, but it's also for me my motivations were. I didn't feel the fear until a little bit later. So I, I got this job in medical sales. It was a great job. I actually moved back to Houston for about a year to work for this medical sales company and transferred to Austin to take a promotion, which was sort of a dream because I always wanted to live here. And I stayed here for six more or seven more years doing that. And it was a great job. And I actually really liked it. It was fascinating. I'd actually be in the OR in the surgeries and it was intellectually stimulating. Um, once I started getting into bluegrass music and playing with people and eventually formed the band, uh, it came down to, uh, you know, you have to choose. We started getting somewhat popular. We started getting re uh, requests to go play these festivals across the country. Just a handful of them, not too many. They weren't huge festivals, but they were, they were, it was just something we really wanted to do. And I had to decide, you know, am I going to do this? or that. And I had sort of mapped out this plan. Like if I could teach guitar lessons, if I could play these other gigs, play these weekly gigs in Austin tour when I can, if I save enough money, if I can buy a house first, you know, do all these things first, then I can see if I can make this full-time music thing work. And so I was a little scared, but it's also, I'm also so, I was also super naive. So my naivete is kind of what pushed me over the cliff more than anything. It wasn't so much my bravery or my sort of ambition. It was more my rebelliousness and my naivete. It's like, I want to do what I want to do. I want to, I was selfish in that I want to make a living doing whatever the fuck I want to do. Excuse my language. Am I, am I allowed to say the oh, F word brother, on here? You are, you are welcome. Okay, oh, cool. we'll, no we'll, bleep, we'll bleep it out. No, we right. will not. <laughs> <laughs> no, we will not. So to me, it was like my my freedom was my wealth. And it's that still kind of remains to this day. I knew that if I could um, at least sort of set myself up to do this full time, then I could at least try. And frankly, um, a classmate of ours died right around that time a guy named eddie carney you remember eddie yeah i do eddie, I, I do eddie passed him. away he was um i played football with him we were good friends and we went to college together and uh you know i think a lot of us were worried about him and halfway expected that phone call because he was uh kind of sick and he had, had struggled with some addiction issues 
after a car accident. This is really a common story that you hear about a lot of successful people and or otherwise. And but but going to his service and and seeing how quickly things can change for anybody, kind of that's one of the things also that pushed me to sort of say, let's just give this thing a shot. We should you should at least try, at least give it a give it a go. You're young, you can go back to work if you need to one day. Let's just see what happens. Give it a couple of years and see how it goes. A lot of my classmates, a lot of the guys I went, I ran around with them, they're all doing very, very well. And I'm super proud of them. And they're doing, you know, they're in business and that's where they want to be and they're doing well. It just wasn't for me. And so it, it feels like, you know, you going sort of against that normal, hey, let me get a normal job here and uh, make it easy on myself. I tried sense, it, man. I, I tried you know? it. Yeah, it, me it, too. Did, it didn't work. It didn't, it yeah. just didn't work for me. I well, mean, see, I'm okay. That, that's why I, it didn't work for me either. That's why I don't necessarily think it's brave of me to have made that leap because it's like, look, this is definitely not working. I mean, I actually did like the job, but I just, I knew that I had to do something else. So it was a really easy leap. It, it was scary, but it was also like, you know, I, I really kind of don't have a choice here. It's like, I, if I don't do something else, then I'll regret it. So, but, well, but like you, but like you, you know, you going th that, taking that artistic path, isn't something that's frowned upon a Jesuit at all. Like they, they'll, um, and they you know, whether it's being an artist, an actor, or a musician, an actor, a cook or something like that, or something a little bit different, they'll, they'll nurture that. But but the sort of norm is like, hey, guess what? You want to you want to get into commercial real estate and make a shitload of money? It's like that opportunity is there for you. Someone will at least give you a shot. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, I mean, you, Philip, you were in acting for a little bit, too. No, well, not really. I mean, I wanted to be an actor and I and I did a couple of things that um I call that being in. I did a couple brother. of things. <laughs> Most of which were um, not well received, and a couple were well received. But, <laughs> but I, uh, you know, I, I sort of gave up on that dream. I was up in Ithaca, New York, and I was living in this um, house, actually, with with a punk band and a bunch of punks that were that were sharing the house with me. Don't and, knock uh, the punk band, man. No, I loved it, man. Actually, it, it was it was a really <laughs> yeah, good time in my love life. Love punk bands. It was a really good time in my life. These guys were a lot of fun. I shouldn't say guys, the, the men and women that I was living with were a lot of fun. Um, the, the Utes, the, the Utes, the, the Utes, the, yeah, the many Utes, the many you know, Utes. Five, five bedroom house <laughs> with like 18 people living in it. Um, you know, it's uh, beautiful. It, it's <laughs> yeah. a neat town. It's a really yeah, neat town. It really town. is. Yeah. It, it's, it's the weirdest town in the Western world, as far as I'm concerned for a <laughs> lot of reasons, but it, but it's really a neat town. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was sort of floundering even wanting to be an actor at that point I wasn't really finding my way so my parents had moved down to Houston from the Northeast in 1999 and I called them up and I said look you know I've left college I'm selling computers at Best Buy I'm waiting tables I'm living with these guys in this punk house we got we got rats and and, and, and big holes in the ceiling where we the got house rats is, where the house is lit on fire before I need to change a pace you know what do you think about me coming down to Houston and they uh graciously welcomed me down here to hang out and help them um the four foot fucking rat yeah the four hey, <laughs> hey, the four foot it's fucking always rat. the four, four foot, foot rat you know what i'm saying <laughs> but uh no so i so i uh i left i left acting when i left ithaca and i've regretted it ever since that was in 2003 and it's always kind of haunted me 
right? Like unlike you guys that have, have sort of traveled the path that you naturally were gravitating towards, I, I strayed away from that path. And I don't know if I ever would have, would have really truly come to, to love the business side of acting. You know a lot more about that than I do. I, I did deal with a little bit of the business side of it. And I think like most business that comes along with performance arts and, and entertaining, it can be a really ugly place if you don't surround yourself with the right people. The problem is there, there, there are so many more people in the entertainment world trying to skin people's backs to make money, right? And there are so few people that are trying to really support each other and lift each other up. And if you can find the ones that are trying to support each other and lift each other up, everyone can make money, everyone can love what they do, and it's a really beautiful thing. I kept on finding the ones that were out, you know, to squeeze a dime out of you as hard as they possibly could. And, and as a result, it was just a really sort of um, negative uh, connotation that I had towards the business side. So I don't know what would have come with that. But I do know that ever since meeting you and hanging out and having fun and doing voices and, uh, and hanging out with other people involved in entertainment and the arts, that little that little flicker is starting to get there, right? Oh, it's, it, been, it's, it's we, always we an edge. It's always we an edge. We got to at least get this guy some voiceover work. No, that's what I'm telling you, right? That, it's ridiculous. Well, thank you for that, it's, man. I appreciate perfect. that. Uh, you should. I mean, okay. We did. A, we did. For those of our listeners out there, um, if you heard our our first podcast, we had Philip did a great impression of Christopher Walken as Lieutenant Dan. And <laughs> you always bring up the walk. It's a bad walk. It's a good walk in. Well, my wife's been all over me forever to get back into the arts and get on stage or do something, do voiceover work. You know, just, she's been nonstop about it. And, and, and God bless her for doing it. I, I really appreciate it. It's just something that hasn't come to be. And, and when um, Brian's wife was getting to know my wife, my wife would come home from these meetings and like, be, oh, there's this super famous local actor that you have to meet. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. I, I would put air quotes in that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, I put it, people call me, I, I know exactly. Actor. <laughs> it was so funny, right? So I'm like, I'm like, who the hell is coming to my house for our New Year's <laughs> Eve party, right? This is terrifying. I mean, what is going on? So you're, so going back to high school a little bit, right? You're in mm -hmm. these, um, basically what amounts to an in-school detention as far as I'm concerned, these study halls, right? You're working out lyrics, you're going home, you're playing guitar all mm -hmm. night, right? When you were doing um, the medical sales gig and the more corporate gig, did you always have it in the back of your mind? Like, was it always, I really, really want to be entertaining somebody and singing a song to somebody instead of doing this? Or was it more, I wonder if I can float them both? I mean, how was the, how was the initial feeling? I'd say it's, it's more the latter. I always sort of resisted, frankly, even though I had those artistic tendencies in high school and, and, uh, I, it's not that I was, I wasn't as sure of myself back then at all. I wanted to be a cool, popular athlete. I wanted to focus on sports. And then at the party, maybe I could show off and play a little guitar and sing. Um, in college, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just smoking a bunch of weed and going to see as much live music as I could possibly see. So really that was part of my development. And then I had a buddy and some, I had some friends who lived together from Jesuit, um, uh, 
Trey Tomjanovich and a guy younger than us, Andy Saray. Oh and yeah, they had yeah oh, they yeah. had uh, <laughs> they had some roommates that didn't. They were from other parts of the country. One of which uh, named Scott. He played guitar. So every Thursday in college, we'd get together. I'd go to Trey and Andy and Scott and Chad's house, and we'd people would come over and hang out at like seven or eight, and we'd start drinking and smoking pot frankly and and uh and then we go in this room they had all these i'd bring my guitar and we just jam until like 11 30 then we get in the car and go to the bars until two come home and do it and jam some more until three four in the morning the real I mean, that was those were my first real experiences just well i wouldn't say my first i used to jam with my cousin milko my cousin milko when i was young and much younger and then some guys in middle school as well but those those college years that's where i really got into seeing live music i wanted to see as much live music as i could and austin was great for that obviously i mean there were residencies every night um, of people who maybe some guy who played guitar for bob dylan played every tuesday at the continental club in austin and then on thursdays he'd fly out play with bob dylan for a couple nights and they come home i mean those are the kind and of people how that wild live is here that, right you get like yeah. stu studio musicians that are just playing out every once in a while well, and you're I, just, well what's yeah. a wh who's a musician that you've played with that uh, outside of the of your your bandmates obviously that are amazing mm -hmm. uh, but who's someone that you've played with that you completely are have been in awe of oh plenty of them really over the years uh, uh recently well a couple of years ago we played as there's a really well-known bluegrass singer songwriter uh who played with jerry garcia in the band olden in the way which was jerry garcia's um bluegrass project if yeah. you will that's the best way to categorize it his name is peter rowan and that was a really cool moment for me uh, but but really frankly a lot of the people that i've gotten to play with over the years are that i find a lot of inspiration from and have been my peers in the in the austin scene and nationwide most of us are what I like to call middle-class musicians, you know, where the vast majority of the musicians I know aren't rich, aren't famous, but they're touring and playing hard and doing pretty well. And there's a huge, the vast majority of the mus musicians in the country, in the world are in that group. You know, they're yeah. not, they're not well known, but you might've heard their song on here and there. You might've heard their voice on some recording but they're not Taylor Swift, you know? Yeah. And that's where I've, I've we, had that we conversation. Sit. I've had that conversation so many times when people, you know, it's so easy to think about what you do for a living and how successful you are and, and how um, well known you are. And to think, oh, like, you know, it's a Taylor Swift environment. It's this, you know, you know, they're selling out shows with, with, you know, 40,000 people at a time. And it's like, well, you know, the majority of people in the arts are like any other industry, right? Mm -hmm. Where you have, yeah, you have your superstars, of course. Sure. And then you have people that are tremendously successful, both personally and monetarily, that most people will never hear of because they're the studio musicians, they're the, mm -hmm. they're the backup guys, right? The people in the music world know. Same thing comes with stage acting and film acting, sure. right? It, it's a really wild, wild deal. I remember when I was... Um, of high school age, I grew up in the Northeast. I grew up in Connecticut. And there was this place in Reading, Connecticut called the Reading Roadhouse. 
where all these bluegrass guys used to get together and they used to just pick on banjos and hang out, right? Awesome. Oh, man, it was so cool. I, I had never experienced bluegrass. I was probably 15 or 16 years old the first time I walked into this place. And the reason why I did is because I come from a race car family and my, my father's a driver and our engine builder happens no to way. be, yeah, he happens to be a tremendous um, musician. He can play anything with strings, whether it be harp, piano, banjo, six string, 12 string, but he's tremendous. He's brilliant. And um, he actually brought me and my family to that, to the Reading Roadhouse to hear some bluegrass because I had mentioned just in passing that I didn't know what it was, right? You know, I must have been 15. I must, it must have been uh, 95. And oh my gosh, I mean, it was one of those experiences where you walk in, it's a little place has been there for 60 years, 80 years, 100 years, whatever it is. It's stuffy, it's dusty, mm-hmm. right? The old school, thick lacquer, wood tables, big steins of beer. And every single man and woman that got up and performed was, oh my, like, beautiful. I mean, studio quality, incredible musicians. And I'd be willing to bet that one out of every 10 of them has ever actually produced an album or done anything for money, right? It was sure. it was just amazing to experience. So, you know, I, I feel you on that. That like you know the the Austin being sort of a middle class musician kind of town, you find that all over the country. You find it all over the world, right? Right, but uh, right, but Austin is a particularly uh, fruitful environment. Uh, but that's what that's where I realized. You can do, you can play music. That's where I sort of found this whole middle ground I didn't realize was really there. And that's where I fell in love with the idea of performing musically. But all that was still just as a spectator. I loved watching music. I loved watching people perform. I had always loved performing. I studied acting in college and I did some when I was younger before high school. In high school, I wasn't confident in myself enough to be to go down that route but very very few uh, of us were yeah very, you're very I'm few jealous. of us were we're confident to, to go down i that wish route. i had i wish i had been you know because that could have been a really good formative time for me to say yes i'm a football player and an actor why not you know let me try both let me get into the theater too i regret not doing that frankly well in wait, any case, you, you've done film though right you've done- i have yeah now but not then not okay. then you know not back then now i've done some very minor stuff, some small sh- short films, bunch of student films, short films, tons of commercials, which are great. I'll do commercials all day long. Heck yeah. And uh, the, the acting thing is a, is uh, something I really love doing. And I don't stress about it because my main thing is to play music. And, and I was lucky enough as a well-known musician here to have gotten a good agent here in Austin. There isn't a whole much of a scene here right now, but... Uh, I have a good agent here where I get good opportunities and if, if uh, I get good shots and it's hard to get them even if you get good shots. But in any case, um, what I want to uh, sort of pivot to bluegrass in general, like you were saying, those little places like in Connecticut, they exist all over the country and the players and the people, the communities that love the music exist all over the country. It's not just in the South. It's not just in the uh, you know, in Tennessee or in North Carolina or Virginia, you know, people will be really surprised to know that there's a massive bluegrass scene in the Northeast, in Boston, Massachusetts, Connecticut, New York, for sure. Um, the thing is, is what's beautiful, what really drew me to the music, and I discovered it sort of backwards. I heard jam bands like Jerry Garcia doing it and Olden in the Way or 
or fish or string cheese playing some bluegrass songs. And I worked backwards to the really old stuff. What really drew me to it was this community. There's this vast catalog of songs that if you love bluegrass, you just know the songs. And if you play the music, you just know how to, there's a formula that you learn. And then I can literally walk into a room of people that know bluegrass music and go, how do you play this song? Or go, let's play this song. And everyone will either already know it. And to those that don't know it, they can spit out a quick formula. Oh, it's just one, four, one, five. And on the chorus starts on the five and then you'll get it real quick. And that's what happens. People just start playing and then everyone plays it together like they've been playing it together for 10 years. I think you just turned Tony on. I, I, I think. Hey, he, what can I say? <laughs> I just. I think I just saw him light up a little bit. Yeah. The man. The man loves what he does, Brian. I mean, what, what, <laughs> no, I, I. You know, not playing myself. Um, I've. I've seen that in person, right? And, and I. Yeah, I, man. I, I really. Uh, I can relate to what you're saying because when you see it happen, it's a pretty magical thing. I mean, this is your world. Um, I'm just a spectator, but but. There are a few things that I know of in life where you can walk into a room, not know anybody, want to play. You're welcomed in. Hey, pick up the banjo, play. You you get like you said, you get your timing, you get what it is, you get what the um, the progression is going to be, and then all of a sudden you're all speaking the same language. It, it's exactly uh, that's tremendous. It's well, so fun, and and it hooked me in so deeply that I said. Fuck this awesome job I have. I'm just gonna do this. <laughs> Forget the BMW. That, I'm yes, moving on. That's yeah, right. And, and and I think a lot of artists might have that. Some artists might just have this moment where they're like, "Let's just do that. I'm just gonna do this." And I don't know, Brian. You tell me, man. What was your path? I'm curious because you know we probably didn't talk. We haven't talked much over the last. 14 years or however long it's no, been. No, we were, we, I, I think we just followed each other social media wise sure, just sure. to kind of see what was going on. Um, for me, it happened much, much later. I, I was well past college and that was the hardest thing for me. That was the hardest thing because most of the people that knew they wanted to be in the arts and theater were starting at, you know, 15, 16 years old, you right. know, right. groomed right. from, from yeah, birth. like, and even now it's like, I, I was, I found myself taking an audition at 24 for a conservatory in Pittsburgh. Sure. You know, I didn't get it, but I mean, I was, you know, I, I go up, I, I do these auditions, you know, up in Memphis. I, I, I go out to these different places. It's just, you just have to keep putting yourself out there. And that's it, exactly right. I mean, yeah. that's, that's just it. You just have to keep putting yourself out there. And the more you do it, the, the more you love it. And if you don't, that's when you know you need to get out. And, and, and that's really it. That was it. I, I just decided I'm going to do it. And this was after I got married. And my wife has been the most supportive ever of letting me make that huge change, you know, because that, that's a that's a big leap to say, hey, honey, I'm, I'm going to throw away money to go be an actor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I you know, she is just incredible uh, to let me do that. But it, it lights me up. So for you guys as as performing artists professionally, do you feel that the, you know, the modern world of of all the social media and all the youtube videos and all that has made it easier to put yourself out there or do you feel like it's so much more saturated that it's a bit harder to put yourself out there and you get kind of lost in the weeds i don't think we know the difference i don't, I don't know this this type of career without that frankly so uh the one of the guys in my band billy uh, well actually all the guys in my band have been playing music professionally much longer than i have but Billy Bright, our mandolin player in particular, is a very much a seasoned veteran. He definitely remembers and 
longs for the the days when before streaming services and social media. So he's he romantic hates, about uh, it. Okay. Interesting. Right, right. Well, I mean, think about I mean, honestly, like the middle class the middle class of music people made more money back then, frankly, because they kept the people only bought CDs. CDs you could get them printed for like fifty cents a piece. And it was the only way to get the music and so that just that alone. Do you think that generally speaking, the the COVID world that we're all in, completely mm-hmm. aside, um, do you think that generally speaking, there were more live gigs to be had for your your up and coming musician back in the day, or do you think it's about the same? I think it's. I guess it's about the same live gigs, but now that's the only, as far as musicians go that's the main way to make a living that's the main way that money goes in right because no one's going to give you the 20 bucks for your cd anymore when you do a live gig correct. they i want you to hand it to them right and correct so now you know they stream it on spotify which is great i mean that's that's one of the reasons we're able to go play for five or six hundred people in denver you know is is because of spotify and you don't have and to send in like that demo tape and find the the manager and all that is like oh yeah, yeah. Do you like us? <laughs> so, well, all right. What's what's the you've played in a lot of places? Because you mentioned Denver. I, I know I've seen you guys do like you guys were touring. You know, before obviously COVID happened and everything, but you guys were touring. You know, throughout the year, going places. Mm-hmm. What's the craziest thing that's happened to you guys during on tour? Yeah, uh, man. I don't know if I can answer that question. The truth is that touring is pretty boring. I mean, <laughs> really? Okay, there you yeah, go. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean. The shows are great. That's that's the the time where it makes it feel worth it. But you know that hour and a half on stage, you get that jolt of energy that you really need because as soon as we're done, we're gonna go to the hotel. Uh, you know, decent hotel. We used to be really horrible hotels. Now we're lucky enough to be able to get decent <laughs> hotel rooms. But now we, still now share we have rooms. a bed. Yeah, right. <laughs> now we have a bed. <laughs> and. Um, no, but it really is. I mean, it's cliche to t- say that the road is hard, but it is. You leave the show, you go to the, maybe some of us go get a few beers and some of us go home and go to sleep. But we go to the hotel, we go to bed, we wake up, we argue about where we're going to get breakfast and then we get breakfast and then we hit the road. Thanks, man. Oh, I got another drink. Thanks to the wife. Well, Appreciate nice. it. Love you. Yeah, we we uh, need to, we need to like text our wives to, <laughs> to get to get refilled uh, down. Somebody here. help. <laughs> SOS. SOS. You know <laughs> but the solace and what gives us the energy is is that connection we make with a crowd or at the very least with each other on stage um every night. And then that's what keeps us going. Uh, that said, it's exhausting. And yeah, it's, it's, I, I can it's imagine. Family. But yeah. I'm all right. So that that being said, I I completely get that because I've actually turned down, you know, touring gigs. Sure. For, for certain things, just because I I know I I love a good bed and I don't want to right. you know like it eh, sounds horrible. Yeah. I so I feel you on that. Um, but because you guys are a pretty tight, you're a pretty tight group. Most of you guys have been together for since what two almost. Man, almost seven, eight years, something like that. Eight years, yeah. yeah. We're, we're almost at nine years, actually. Okay. So, what is there uh, well, any? Well, uh, is there anything yeah, that yeah. you can share about any of your bandmates that that you know? I mean, 
funny things because I mean, I it's always interesting because as you say, you're like, I'm with yeah. a group of guys and everyone has a different personality, right? There's always something that someone does that you're like, <laughs> yeah. well, I love you, man, but we could never live together. <laughs> it, al it almost sounds like your question is along the lines of when you get married and people are always like, the first three years are the hardest. You have to get through the first three <laughs> yeah. years, right? Yeah, yeah. More like the seven year itch. You know? There you go. Or the seven year itch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's hard to say. Something that's interesting is we all have very different backgrounds. Um, Dominic, our bass player, he's from upstate New York. He's from uh, Rochester, but he went to Ithaca College. So we're real familiar hey, with the so Ithaca did I. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that, Rep team, representing. Well, well, briefly for me, he he probably finished. <laughs> he barely finished. He'll tell you, he barely finished. He studied jazz and, um, you know, and then Trevor, our our banjo player, he was he's from Tucson, Arizona, and he... You know, he grew up totally different than we did. He he ended up, uh, he was like a punk rock hardcore kid who liked to skateboard. He dropped out of high school. Um, he was a musical sort of prodigy. He was a piano player, but he would go to his piano recitals with like a mohawk. He'd wear a tuxedo and a big like purple mohawk. Nice. That, that's awesome. I, I would I would absolutely stay for that concert. Well, I mean, it's it's never what you expect. I mean... But Trevor, he dropped out of high school to join a band, you know, at 17. So, and wow, then Billy, that, you know, Billy's grew up in El Paso, Texas and, and, uh, went to Berkeley college of music. So these are super educated guys who have uh, really strong musical minds and I'm just lucky to play with them and we all have our quirks, but the fuck, the funny thing about them is you don't even know what your own quirks are because they don't feel like it. Right. So I'd be curious to know what mine are. According to them, I could make a few guesses. Yeah. They're 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 going to listen to this podcast and be yeah. like, "All right, yeah. we have a list." Right. Yeah, they're oh, I bet I would love to read it, except it'd probably make me feel horrible about myself. <laughs> well, you can tell them they can phone it in if yeah. they want. You know, they're going to post it on yeah. the Neighbors Don't Nog website. They're going to be like, "By the way, <laughs> Tony Campbell's quirks." Yeah. So you, we, to we love each other. You know, it's we're a family. And that's how it is. You know, families fight and families love each other, too. That's spectacular. You're going to have to tell your uh, your bandmate that went to Ithaca College that the guy that you were uh, on, on the podcast with, I, I used to spend all my nights at Mano's Diner. I worked my nights, other nights I wasn't there at uh, Stella's up in College Town. And I used to oh, read, sweet. And I used to read open mic poetry at the Oak. He'll probably know all three. Dude, I have had some great nights in Ithaca. There's a cool place there called The Haunt, I oh, think yeah, it's called. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, and uh, I feel like I've been to Stella's. Probably, but I, I'm not sure know, if it's, it's still there. But if you were there a few years ago, it was. And uh, did you go, when you went to the haunt? Was it um, big and by the railroad tracks, or was it tiny and downtown in the commons? No, it's it was big and by the railroad tracks. Okay, so they they it were in two locations. The they moved tracks. to that one. Uh, so I was there right when they moved to that um, the bigger location. And one of my favorite things we used to do was I think it was Wednesday nights. It was 80s night. And that was just Ithaca, Ithaca College. I'm sorry, Ithaca, New York, rather. 80s night at the Haunt is it's like a Marilyn Manson show. It's hysterical. It's like it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's, it's it's all kids. It's all kids with like like face piercings and and, and all gothed out that are just rocking out like Duran Duran. <laughs> it's <laughs> really great. wild. It's so cool. I actually that would be a fantastic scene. It, it's that a, would be a it's, fantastic. It's a scene. really good scene. I'll bring you up there sometime. We can go do it. Oh, I would absolutely love that. That's when all those skeletons from my closet will come and claw me to pieces. <laughs> by the way, that's. I love that. Well, we just want to give a quick shout out to the band of Wooden Wire. 
Um, yep. It's it's comprised of, of course, Mr. Tony Camel here that's talking with us. Uh, your banjoist Trevor Smith, bassist Dom Fisher, and mandolist Billy Bright. Yeah, those guys are, you know, they're my brothers in arms, and uh, I feel really lucky to be traveling the country with them. We have a new record that comes out today, right? Today is yes. August 28th. Yes, yep. yes, it is dropping today, August 20th. You can go to iTunes and get this. Go to uh, go to iTunes and get Wooden Wire. The album is called No Matter Where It Goes From Here. Did I get that yeah, right? Yeah, man. You got it exactly right. Awesome. Yeah, that drops today. That's right. August 28th, today, folks. Go to, you. Go to not I was going to say YouTube, but I'm sure you can find it. But iTunes, get this album. Get this album. It is great. Um, Actually, one of my favorite songs, I, I was telling you earlier, Pigs, when I heard mm -hmm. Pigs, and I played that for Philip, is a jam. Oh, we love it. No doubt. It really and is. Thank you. The other song that actually, the more I listened to it, the more I loved it was John. Yeah, John. So you're going to love this, dude. Do you know who that song's about? It's about a guy that we graduated with named John Stewart. And John and I kept up over the years. He he's he's uh, he keeps to himself most of the time. He's sort of a loner, and that's his personality. But he's an excellent poet. He's an artist himself, and he he makes his living in the summers salmon fisher being a commercial salmon fisherman in Alaska. So John, uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, yeah. so he and I were sort of kindred spirits, much like you and I are in that we sort of broke the mold of, of our upbringing. And so I wrote that song just thinking of him one day after we had talked after probably been a year since we had talked, but, uh, but he's a good dude. And, and um, it's just sort of a story song about him and it's becoming very popular. That song, we, we released it early as a single, as a precursor. And I told him, and I haven't heard from him because he's in Alaska, but I've been texting him and sending him emails for him to get when he gets home. But he's becoming somewhat of a folklore uh, hero within our scene, within our fan fan base. Oh, that's awesome. Well, John, I mean, if you're out there listening, man, Chambers <laughs> says, what's up? <laughs> so if, yeah, you, if you happen to catch the podcast in Alaska. Yeah, he might. I'll, I'll text it to him. We'll see if he responds. But yeah, man, the, the record comes out today. We're proud of it. We worked hard on it. And uh, we put out our last one and it had a great run and we got to do a bunch of cool stuff around it. And um, Well, I should say it had a great run. That was Your last yeah. one was North of Despair, right? When you guys Correct, released yeah. in 2018. Um, it had a fantastic run because you guys got nominated for a Grammy. Right. Yes. I mean, and how how does that feel? I mean, that's got to be incredible. I mean, shock or how do you feel when you when you hear the news of getting nominated for a Grammy? Yeah, I I mean, it was it was such a huge surprise. I didn't even I didn't even know we were being considered at all. So they I know this now because I was part of it, but they'd send out the Grammy nominations or they uh, announced them in early December, usually around just after Thanksgiving. And uh, I just woke up one day and I got a text from a buddy of mine in Nashville where we have a lot of friends and, and a bunch of the people who we work with are there congratulating me. Uh, and I thought he was congratulating me for getting married because I had gotten married just like three weeks before that. And um, 
I was kind of like, yeah, man, she's stuck no, with you me now. Dick, you know, I was doing something yeah. better. No, just kidding. Yeah. No, no, just kidding. Yeah. No, if your wife's listening, I'm so sorry. <laughs> she, she won't hear this. She doesn't listen to anything I do anymore. No, I'm just kidding. She's, she's, she's amazing. I love her, and I couldn't do this without her. But, um, uh, <laughs> I love that. But yeah, and he was like, no, man, uh, for the nomination. And I was like, nomination for what? This is like 730 in the morning. And he's like, the big G, man, the Grammy. I was like, I thought he was, I was like, no, nah, man, you, you're clearly reading it wrong. Is that legit how you say the big G? Is that how you do it? Is it is I don't it, well, know. Well, that's how he did it. Is that how he did it? Well, that's how he did that's it. That's so how I, he did it. So yeah. the big G, now I know if I hear the big G, I'm thinking Grammy right yeah. away. And for the record, yeah. it's how we're going to refer to it from now on. From now Just, on, that's please right. Please go right, do whatever. I was thinking, I, was thinking I always thought the big G was something else, but I'm in my... I'm the big G, but that's okay. Big G, there you go. <laughs> uh, but it was great, man. That was a great day. It was super exciting. And so, did your bandmates like, know, or did you inform them? No, I called them. No, they don't. They don't like send you a letter. They just put it on the internet, and then <laughs> they expect. Tell they you. just expect you to know. Like, yeah, why yeah. didn't you realize your album was so yeah. good? That's a little weird. I think that's a little weird. It's too. like crap. I didn't Google myself today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly, but. I called Billy first because it was 730 in the morning. It was that early. And he was at the, like that guy, Billy's got two kids. So he's, you know, super dad. He was at HEB buying groceries. <laughs> 730 in the morning. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen his yeah. reaction in the middle of he's like, like the Tony, frozen fruit Tony, section. Tony, brother, what's up? You know this is shopping time, man. He's what's like spiking going on? the peas on the floor. Yes! <laughs> yeah. yeah. I called Trevor. He was asleep, and but he answered because he thought something was wrong. And the same kind of thing went with Dama. It was it was a very surprising thing and and it was really really fun to go and uh, take our wives and I took my mom and my sister as well. We went to Los Angeles and we got to walk the red carpet. We got to go to all the parties. We went to the after party. The after party TLC and In Vogue performed. It was awesome. <laughs> um. And I was like I was like standing. I was like watching them next to Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, so it was really severe. It's really surreal, right? That is he had surreal. Done, he had done a a parody of Waterfall of a few TLC songs. Yeah, I was about to say, I thought he did a couple of them. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. did a few. Yeah, it was really fun. It was a super surreal weekend, and the whole thing still doesn't feel real. And what do you say? Frankly, what do you say to Weird Al Yankovic? Right, because like it just doesn't feel like oh I love your work that doesn't feel because you, you quite can't really. I'm right. sure he's heard it all the time. Like if you you like mm-hmm. quote his his songs, right? Right, y- you know. S- I didn't say anything to him. I just gave him a really awkward drunken hug. That is better. That's better than what I could have said because I would. I, yeah. I was about to say. I think. I think that Weird Al Yankovic <laughs> would would really appreciate the drunken, you know, like brother. Give me a hug. Right? I, I, I think yeah. too. I. You know what? If Weird Al is listening to this, I bet he's like that guy. Absolutely, the hug okay. was worth it. Okay, so I don't so know. way, <laughs> way, way different genre, but kind of coming up in the same ish time period. We, Weird mm-hmm. Al was a little later, right? But like, how about stand up Gallagher? Do you think Gallagher would be more of like a fist pump or a high five guy? A high five, oh, low five, a low five. For I think Gallagher. it'd be low five <laughs> for Gallagher. That's just, Gallagher. That's just that just feels dirty. I don't know why. That's like, give me a give me a low five. A it's low like, five. Okay. Um, so. I have- I have memories of Gallagher. Heck he was, yeah, we all have memories. It was a, it, yeah. It's a bizarre thing that he ever became as famous as he did, in my opinion. But it's yeah, it could only happen during that time in the world, right? 
Well, listen, man. Congratulations, uh, sincerely Thanks. on the new album. That's fantastic. Yeah, do you guys do you guys have any plans to do any sort of touring, given the weird world we live in right now, or what's up? We don't have any plans right now. Once once it's allowed, we'll certainly get back at it. We're gonna do a live stream live stream on our Facebook page on September twelfth. Okay, cool. Uh, around eight p.m. Central, and uh, it will also have a YouTube link as well, a YouTube page you can. Find us on both platforms and follow us there. It won't be on Instagram because we're going to use uh, some studio. We're going to do it at a recording studio. And Instagram, you can't sync up nice audio. So we'll just do it on Facebook and YouTube. But we do have an Instagram account as well, at Wood and Wire Band. And we're easy to find. Just Google us. And if you're uh, listening and you like uh, music at all, look us up on Spotify, Apple Music, or anything at all. Just Google Wood and Wire and you'll find it. That's right. I mean, I, I fell in love with the the debut self-titled album, Wooden Wire, which was great. It, it got me hooked going all the way, all the way up. You can find multiple albums, Woodshed Sessions Volume 1, The Coast, uh, Live at the Historic Scoot Inn, and of course, North of Despair, and now dropping today, no matter where it goes from here. So, you know, Tony, I know it's it's probably hard to ask, but... Would you play something for us? Sure, man. I mean, I, I, if I know we got listeners out there that are loving, that I, that I are would, just fans. We're fans, and so I think I, I'm just a little giddy. If if we were in person, it would be a drunken hug. Yeah, I was about to say I would love it. <laughs> <laughs> with well, like really with, with like a drunken hug man. with like the back rub. Is that you know, or the if you hold too long and then it's it's awkward, right? That happens to you a lot, does it? It does. <laughs> I see. Well, since we we've talked a lot about you know just taking that leap towards a career in the arts. And we talked about the song, John and our mutual classmate, John, I'll play John. It will be the first track off the new record. <clears throat> Brown water brushes up against boulders on Galveston Island. Sits my buddy, John. He's been in the shop. Fixing up furniture Damaged by floods that have come and have gone He's a modern day Kerouac Wannabe Banksy Silent, unsettled Victim of time And now the Coens are calling With a north on his mind He'll be leaving this island For State 49 Seekers and searchers And drifters like me the coast living life off the grid just hauling up nets chock full of sockeye those beautiful bastards are gold bars with fins and that bristol bay light it's a far cry from houston where all our old buddies wear coats and wear ties and we'll raise up our glasses because they're all kicking asses most folks ain't wired like john and i and searchers and drifters like me
in this season Over 300,000 Now he's back on the island Just drifting away He's made enough money To keep up this living And head back up north To Alaska come May So to all you young seekers And all you young searchers And all you young drifters Like John and like me Oh living ain't easy When you don't but money means nothing when you ain't living free Seekers and searchers and drifters like me That's how, so many, that's how many people we commit. No, <laughs> it's been so long since I've heard applause. <laughs> oh man. Well, that was awesome. That was awesome. And for those of you Thank that you. heard that, that is Tony Camel there gracing us with the beautiful song, John from their new album, no matter where it goes from here, it's out today. Make sure you go get it on iTunes. If you want to check out more about wooden wire, go to woodandwireband.com. Look them up on Facebook, Instagram. You can find them everywhere. Tony, man, it was awesome catching up with you. Likewise, it was great seeing you and great meeting you. And I'm really glad you guys asked me to do this. I enjoyed yeah, it, was it very nice much. To meet you too. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. That's that's just uh, tremendous. Thank you. Yeah, we we really appreciate your time. Uh, it's been great, Tony Camel, everybody. And make sure that you guys go to www.neighborsdon'tknock.com for more information. We just got our merchandise store up and up and going. So if you go to our website, you can get that link and get great merch there. Check out other podcasts on other platforms. But Phil, my glass is empty. It's time to get out. Brother, man. Nice talking to you as always. Peace. Out. <laughs>